Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hello everybody, uh Thank you for tuning in after what was a uh, a trade deadline that, that lacked drama for the Utah Jazz. Now, that was one of the craziest trade, trade deadlines that I ever remember. Not, not so much for the big blockbuster trades that happened, because there wasn't really one. I think the biggest one was, what, Tobias Harris? Uh, which was big, and I think it'll have major a major ripple effect on... Uh, the Western Conference, and I think, well, actually, we can get into uh, where the Jazz stand among teams, uh, how they could be impacted by the trades that happened around them, but the Jazz did essentially nothing. Um, they have made a trade this year, obviously. They went for Kyle Korver, so they weren't completely inactive in the trade market, but, again, that was in, what, December? So, or summer, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Mm-hmm. But despite all the rumors, I mean... You know, I don't know if I don't even I might have to use two hands to count the trade rumors that the Jazz were involved in. And then they ended up doing nothing. I mean, we heard that the Jazz were aggressive, they were active. Uh, they ended up not doing anything which uh, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can look at the trade deadline. I have mixed feelings or frustrated feelings. Uh, there's just so many different ways you can look at this trade deadline. And there's positives and negatives in everything that happened or could have happened, and that's what makes, you know, arguing about the trade deadline for Jazz fans really difficult. Is that there's obviously no objective right or wrong, and I don't know. It's it's just a whole it's a whole mess. Uh, so I I don't even re- I still don't really even know what to think about this trade deadline, just because there's so many different things that have come into my mind. That maybe I hadn't thought about, or just you know, it's kind of like how I basically changed my mind on Mike Conley in the course of a week. You know, there's so many different mm-hmm. things you can think about when it comes to the trade deadline. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, I don't usually pay that much attention to the trade trade deadline, but um, obviously there was so many names involved with what could have happened and didn't. Yeah, and the main one obviously was Mike Conley. Uh, and in the end, I mean, the Jazz did nothing wrong really with Mike Conley, other than I guess maybe offer the mother load for him, which then the Grizzlies probably would have taken it. But if you offered like two or three first round picks for Mike Conley, then it's suddenly not worth it. And it looks like the Jazz, uh, one of the main points that they were divided on was trading Dante Exum, which you know it's interesting that they weren't willing to trade Dante Exum just because of. Uh, what that may imply for how the Jazz look at Dante Exum and his future moving forward. Obviously, they really meant that he would stay around when they signed him to the, what, $33 million contract over three years. Um, and it looks like they weren't willing to offer another first-round pick. They were probably offering them Ricky Rubio, a first-round pick, and some trade filler. I don't know who that trade filler would have been. It could have been Derek Favors. It could have been... Uh, Tablo Cephalosha, and I think you would have had to throw in somebody else, but it, it would have been you know, some amount of trade filler with Ricky Rubio in the first round pick being the main draw. But in the end, Memphis didn't want to trade Mike Conley, which, I don't know, they were willing to trade basically everybody else, including Mark Gasol. 
I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure what the, you know, the the thoughts running through the, the heads of all the, the Memphis front office were when they said, you know, we're going to trade Mark Gasol and for the first time in about 20 years not have one of the Gasol brothers on our team, but we're not going to trade Mike Conley? I mean, they traded Jermichael Green, too. Mm. I mean, uh, do you have any ideas of why Memphis would have wanted to hang on to Mike Conley um, in not a lot of these other pieces that they had? Um, I don't really know. I mean, probably just for stability's sake, honestly. I mean, it's also a heavy price tag. I mean, we've talked about this before. He's owed $60 million for the next two seasons. So, I mean, that in itself is just kind of like, well, we free up Marcus Saul, we get him out of here, we free up that little bit of room to spend in the free agency or whatever happens in draft night. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like it's just for stability's sake, and I kind of feel like, um, you know, they they didn't want him to leave in the beginning. They just probably wanted to see what they could get for him in return. I don't really know, but I mean... As high as we had become on getting Mike Lee, wow, Mike Conley over here, I kind of at the same time it's kind of a blessing in disguise in a way for the Jazz, anyways. Yeah, because we did obviously talk about the downside to Mike Conley two episodes ago, about yeah how he is owed so much money and it would basically handicap any any free agency for the Jazz. But again, there was you know the last podcast where I I'd basically flip myself and said it would have been a at least something of a positive, and now maybe I'm trying to backtrack on that now because the Jazz don't have Mike Conley, so I'm trying to justify myself. But I don't know. There are a lot of different ways you can think about this because if you know you subscribe to maybe signing somebody in free agency, this was definitely a good thing. Um, but if you feel like nobody's coming in free agency, then this could be a really bad thing. And I'm not sure which train I want to hop on, you know, because I'm very skeptical skeptical of free agency. But at the same time, Mike Conley wasn't the most superb solution to this problem. So, yeah, you know, I, I wish I could provide myself a clear answer and and say I definitely knew what what I wanted. But I knew that Mike Conley would at least it would be a short term fix. And like I said last week, it could have built into a long-term piece, you know, be a 55-plus win team and draw in a, a free agent or somebody via trade, you know, once building up a successful franchise. But, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is a blessing in disguise, like you said. You know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, because there was so much going on that, I mean if you think about it, there were so many different people that we were interested in that we had, you know, that Dennis Lindsay and the jazz had publicly expressed interest in Otto Porter jr. Tobias Harris. Um, I'm sure I'm going to forget a few here. Nicola, um, Nicola you know, Mike Conley, Nikola Mirtich. Um, and he was even mentioned last year for the trade deadline. Um, I mean, there were so many different dominoes that fell that I was kind of like, okay, you know, hours before the trade deadline actually hit was okay well obviously we're gonna get Mike Conley but nothing happened for those two hours and I kind of feel like Dennis Lindsay was like you know 
let's just save the money and see what we can do, either draft night or in free agency. Because even, I mean, we had to trade up to get Donovan Mitchell from uh, Denver. So, you know, I don't think Denver is going to give us any more favors. We've talked about this episodes prior. But I, I don't know. I mean, what what he's got to see... Lindsay does have what is the long term in mind. I don't doubt that, but I also like you know. I think it was just more like the damage had been done, and he had no other choice but then to just stay silent. And I thought it was also interesting that was it the Knicks that wanted Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, they they, they called the Jazz about uh about Donovan Mitchell for Chris Apps Porzingis, and the Jazz rightfully said heck to the no. Yeah, and and someone else wanted Dante Exum too, and I and I'd said even the last episode. I mean, we thought that Dante could be a part of some package deal to get Mike Conley, send him to Memphis or whatever. But like I said, Dennis Lindsay loves Dante Exum, so of course they said no to him as well. Yeah, so one of the things that has made the, this trade deadline, what made the trade deadline really confusing, just was that. I couldn't really figure out what Dennis Lindsay was trying to do, mostly because he, he didn't go after Otto Porter and Miritich. I mean, that's the thing. I, I just don't know why. I mean, you kind of provide a bit of a reason why he may not have just maybe the Mike Conley deal didn't work out, so maybe he just kind of stayed silent. But yeah, like these were guys that have been connected to the Jazz for years in some cases, at least, at least with Porter. He was connected to the Jazz in free agency back when Gordon Hayward left. But when... The deals came through. I mean, they were pretty beatable deals. I mean, I think Otto Porter went for, what, Jabari Parker, Bobby Portis, and like a second rounder or something? No, not exactly a blow-you-off-your-feet kind of deal. And then um, Miritich went for, I think, a handful of second-round picks and uh, somebody else I can't remember. Uh, where did he even go? Oh, he went to the Bucks. Um but again, they were both really beatable deals. Now, they could have mm. it could have just been that these two teams were looking for something else because the thing that made Utah's offer attractive was relief of cap space. You're offering an expiring in Ricky, and if you're also throwing in Derek Favors, there's a team option, so it's effectively an expiring contract if you want it to be. And then they're offering a late first-round pick, something in the mid-20s. So maybe these teams just didn't want expiring deals and they wanted maybe the picks or all these different things. But, you know, it is just weird that you see these deals that it's like, yeah, the Jazz are offering Ricky Rubio and Derek Favors and you're taking Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker. So it, it was just interesting and we'll never really know because we don't know, you know what Dennis Lindsay was thinking, how aggressive he truly was, and whether or not these teams wanted their deals and just wanted something else because we know that you know gms don't always act logically or sometimes they just have different priorities than we as fans sometimes think so it was just really weird around that trade deadline just noticing all these guys connected to the jazz going elsewhere the jazz not being involved and the one target they did you know in the end unfortunately just wasn't available so it was just really weird yeah, it is very weird. I mean, I can't like I, I say this over and over, but I mean, I can't pretend to know what the hell his long-term plan is. I mean, it's obvious that 
you know, we know that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are the building blocks that he wants to build around, and we know that Donovan needs another piece around him to alleviate some of the pressure he's feeling for being the number one option on offense. I mean, I'm going back through the list of free agents coming up for next year, and I just don't, you know, we need someone who's like a shot creator or something. Like, who do you get? Um, and even with the with the picks we have coming into draft night next in the in the off season, we're not gonna have a good pick. Uh, I don't I don't really know if there's any, I mean, I don't pay enough attention to college basketball as it is, uh, just because one there's too many flipping teams and too many players to pay attention to. But I mean, other than Zion Williams, I mean, I don't know. That's the only name I know going into the draft class. So. I mean, it's just, it's something that, there's obviously something that he kind of, I don't know if it's something that he knows that the rest of us don't. I mean, we're always going to speculate on anything. That's kind of what this whole point of this podcast is, is it's all speculation. We're not professionals. We're, we're not, we're not deep in the trenches in the NBA media, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's just such a, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, in some ways I'm kind of glad that they didn't pull the trigger on it because like I mentioned, going into the trade deadline, just before it, they looked like it was um, affecting everyone in, a, in like a negative way. It was just, you know, that was hanging on everybody's shoulders, especially Ricky Rubio. Um, Favors did an awesome job of just kind of doing the same thing he did last year, just shutting it out, doing his thing, showing up to work and putting in the work. Um, but now that that's gone by the wayside, I mean, obviously... Dennis Lindsay still thinks that, that that camaraderie and that chemistry in the locker room is going to carry them not just to the playoffs, but through the playoffs. Will we get to that second round and win? I have no idea. I mean, right now, shaping up, if the playoffs started tomorrow, we'd be playing OKC again in the first round. Yeah, and, and that would be rough because uh, OKC is doing a lot better this mm-hmm. year. And Paul George is tearing it up, uh, you know, playoff P and... Uh, Russell Westbrook seems to be having like kind of a down year, I think. In some ways, he's averaging a triple double, I think. So he's not really, it's not like he's any worse. I think just his numbers may not be quite as impressive to some people. At least that's what I've heard. I've not really done a deep dive into it. That's just, you know, the chatter I've heard. So it could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting, kind of. I want to go into how the Jazz might. Now, first off. I do think that the Jazz need to put this trade deadline behind them as, as quickly as possible. You know, like you said, it, it seemed to be affecting them. If you look at about the four games before the trade deadline, the Jazz lost two of them by 27 points. Uh, both of them were to playoff teams. And then the two very bad teams they played, the Suns and the Hawks, they looked very unimpressive for like the first half or even the first three quarters, I think, against Atlanta. Or maybe it was Phoenix. Then they blow it open in the fourth or second half because they won both of those games by you know double digits and it wasn't really close in the end and they put in their backups but they looked uninspired for a good chunk of the game mm-hmm. uh, before showing off that they were a at this point a sixth seed in the West. But I do wonder like I think after the trade deadline the Jazz are in a a better position at least where the teams that got better um, most of them are in the East like I don't think. Like who in the West actually got better this season? I'm I'm looking down the list and trying to think off the top of my head the trades that were made. I don't I, I'm I don't think any of them did. I think it was all in the East. Yeah, like the Kings I think are the only team that improved. 
Because what they they brought in, I think Harrison Barnes and uh, somebody else that I'm AB. I'm spacing. <laughs> Alec Burks. Oh, they're going to the finals. <laughs> Alec Burks taking them to the finals. Um, he's wearing Tyreek Evans' old number. He's wearing 13. Huh. Um, yeah, it's really weird to see him not wearing number 10. Yeah. But as always, I wish Alec Burks the best. Um. Yeah, that, that's like Sacramento looks like they're probably going to overtake the Clippers because uh, the Clippers, you know, traded their best player. Uh, they also cut um, the, the point guard. Oh, shoot, what was his name? Teodosic? Is that how you said his name? Milos? Oh, Milos Teodosic? Yeah. They got rid I'm, of him? I'm not, I, think, I think they – I saw rumors they are going to cut him, and I think they did. Ah, I mean, I don't blame them for it. I mean, he's <laughs> – He's kind of your old school point guard. He's just he's he's all about passing. He's not about scoring. He was like Diet Ricky Rubio. Yeah. So I think he was a, I think he was a lot better shooter though. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, I I never really shot, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of passing connoisseur that yeah ultimately didn't work out. Uh, they brought him back when they still had Blake Griffin. It's supposed to be a the successor to um, Chris Paul. Yeah, so the, the, the Clippers will get worse, and they're uh, two spots behind the Jazz. The Jazz are currently in sixth. Um, the Spurs, I don't think they they didn't do anything major. Um, but, I mean, the biggest trade that, that shook everything, I, I can't believe I forgot this when I was talking about the trade deadline blockbusters. Kristaps Porzingis went somewhere. That was a pretty blockbuster trade. Mm. But Dallas, for this season, probably got worse because Porzingis – probably isn't really going to make an appearance this season at least if he does it won't really make a difference and the Mavericks are like three spots out of the playoffs so you know next year that'll be something to pay attention to obviously but this year probably not going anywhere so the Jazz look pretty solid they, they might move up a spot they might get back into that four or five game yeah because yeah, they were in the four or five matchup last year right uh yes, yeah. Cause he went from three to five because of that loss to the Trailblazers, and OKC was four. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, so they might get back in there. Who knows? A lot can happen between now and the end of the season, and they, if they do that, they might end up playing the Rockets or the Trailblazers. So, I don't know. That'll be interesting, but I think. In the near future, uh, one thing that I think you want to talk about was uh, talk about Rudy Gobert again. Oh yeah, um, and his his uh, I guess do we call it a revenge game against Lamarcus Aldridge? I don't know if it's necessarily a revenge game against him necessarily. I think it was more just of a middle finger to the NBA, like oh look what look look who's the all star, huh? Okay. I, I mean, he he had his response in the Atlanta game. I mean, that made everybody pay attention to him more there, um, putting up those numbers in the Atlanta game, and then just absolutely destroying LaMarcus Aldridge last night was just awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, he's going to keep reminding the NBA, I think just about every matchup he has with um, people that were voted into the All-Star game, I think he's going to consistently remind them for the rest of the year why he should be in the All-Star game. Yeah, and uh, so one one thing I want to bring up, uh, I mean, first off, because you mentioned destroying him, Rudy Gobert went 21-13 with uh, 
couple of blocks and LaMarcus Aldridge. He had 15 and 10 and uh, was minus 11 in the game. Yeah, what was he, like 4 but, for 15 to end the game? Yeah, 5 for 16. Oh, um, okay. Well, still the same percentage Yeah, <laughs> of awful. Yeah, and mind you, one of Rudy Gobert's misses, which also became a LaMarcus Aldridge block, LaMarcus Aldridge didn't even touch the ball. He hit both of Rudy Gobert's forearms. Right. Yeah. Um, you can watch the replay. It's clear as day. It's not even close or controversial. It's He hit both of his forearms and got credit for a block, even though he didn't even touch it. Right. Um, and then I think Kyle Korver was called on, uh, I don't know if it was Patty, Patty, oh, is Patty Mills? It might have been DeMar DeRozan. I can't remember. But he, Kyle Korver got called and he didn't even touch the guy. Yeah, there were a bunch of phantom calls that were just like, oh, okay. Yeah, but that's typical NBA refereeing. But the one thing that I, I managed to get myself away from for a moment is I saw this uh, Spurs fan in a reply to this this one thread. They were talking about LaMarcus Aldridge versus Rudy Gobert and how you know basically every advanced stat says that Rudy Gobert is legions ahead of LaMarcus Aldridge. And he's like, um, let's see if I can pull it up here really quick. Um Basically, what he said was, if you put LaMarcus Aldridge on the Jazz, the Jazz get better. If you put Rudy Gobert on the Spurs, the Spurs would get worse. Huh? I'm basically saying if they flopped spots, the Jazz would get better and the Spurs would get worse. And and I tweeted out and I said, you know, it's basically like, ladies and gentlemen, I present to NBA Twitter, you know, the worst take ever. Yeah, here it is. I present to NBA Twitter the worst take in the history of the league. This one guy, just absolute asinine take. Yeah, that made my head, my head hurt, like literally. Yeah, it, it just makes no sense because that level of delusion about basketball. It's like you can say, you know, I know a lot of people say that Rudy Gobert isn't a good offensive player, and I can see where they're coming from because he doesn't have all of the offensive skills, but that doesn't make him a worse player. That's the thing. He has a better offensive impact than LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, and he doesn't even need to touch the damn ball. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... And, and that's the thing that people don't understand is they say, well, look, he's worse on offense because he's not the one scoring the ball. But it's it's a lot like, you know, they talk about Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons shoots the ball worse than Rudy Gobert. And, you know, Ben Simmons is a definite net positive on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, John Stockton only shot the ball you know, 10 or 12 times a game, averaged around 10 or 12 or 14 points. He's still one of the better offensive players in league history. And as a Hall of Famer, based off of his offensive prowess, at a whopping 12 career points per game, or maybe it's 14 or something. Something like that, yeah. No, and he was always reliable. When he took a shot, it was going in. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he topped off at a whopping 17 points per game. I think that was his career season high. But it was because he did other things. Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. does other things. And then defensively, he's just mountains and legions. But because nobody, you know, even even I'm in this camp, we don't really know what good defense is because we can't measure it except for advanced stats. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe in advanced stats, then your only references for defense are steals and blocks, which are two of the worst ways to measure defense. Yeah, At absolutely. least as far as your defensive prowess. I mean... If you if you want to say steals are the best way to measure perimeter defense, John Stockton is the best perimeter defender of all time, and that is definitely not the case. He wasn't even the best point guard defender of his generation. 
I wouldn't say. He was one of the better ones, but... Yeah, you know. well, that would also be like saying James Harden is a good defender because he got three three steals in a game. No, that doesn't mean Jack. James Harden can't play defense if his life depended on it. Yeah, so there's just so many things that... And again, I don't, I don't try to play the snob card if you just don't understand basketball. It's just like, well, we use these advanced stats for a reason. They can tell us things that we don't necessarily know. Right. And they tell us that Rudy Gobert is objectively a better player than LaMarcus Aldridge, at least in terms of his impact on the game, which, again, we had this long discussion a long time ago, or two episodes ago, or however long it was. You know, don't know how coaches who have to game plan against Rudy Gobert decided that LaMarcus Aldridge was better than Rudy Gobert. Oh, I know. And it, I was going to point this out, too. If, if, uh, if LaMarcus Aldridge were... Um, not on the team right now. Like he, they, the Spurs traded him out, and they and they asked him that same question. Like if you were to take Lamarcus Aldridge or Rudy Gobert, I guarantee you, Greg Popovich would take Rudy Gobert. Oh yeah. Well, I think there was somebody. Uh, oh, who was it? Made a comment on Twitter saying if there was like a a draft in the league of players, like one of those fantasy drafts where you take, you know, first pick LeBron James, second I don't know Giannis or James Harden or whatnot. He said Rudy Gobert would be like a top 10 pick if it were the coaches selecting him. I don't know if he said top 10 or top 15, but it was it was something like that where it's like coaches obviously know the value of Rudy Gobert. Um, but people like scoring, so LaMarcus Aldridge and his 22 points per game get into the All-Star game. I know. Well, and it's I, I'll reiterate what I said last week, too. I mean, God forbid we have defense in the NBA. Or not the NBA, <laughs> the All-Star game. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, you watch Rudy Gobert, he's not going to excite you by what he does. The only thing that you can really get excited about is how he alters shots and how he blocks them and how he's just an absolute force on defense. But that's not what they want in the All-Star game. They want someone who can hit a tr- turnaround jumper with his eyes closed, and that's LaMarcus Aldridge, which, unfortunately, he only made one last night. The rest of them, he just didn't even try, or he just tried to do something else. And neither of those things worked either, so there you go. Yeah, so there's there's rant number two on LaMarcus Aldridge by the hashtag Jazz Crew. I mean, and I, I talk all this shit on LaMarcus Aldridge. I really do like LaMarcus Aldridge. He's yeah. just, unfortunately, he's at that age where just he's not as good as he was. I have always loved LaMarcus Aldridge's game. He's a really, really dead-eye mid-range shooter, and he can shoot the three. But, unfortunately, he's on his way out. So, I, it's not to discredit him at all. I just, Rudy Gobert is better. Yeah, and that's, I, I totally agree with that. The, the argument mostly for us is we're, we're not targeting LaMarcus Aldridge. We're targeting the ignorance. Um, you know, because, like, if we say, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something, blinking on a player. If we say uh, LeBron James is better than Donovan Mitchell, like if Donovan Mitchell made the all-star game over LeBron James, we would rightfully be having a discussion about how idiotic everyone is for thinking Mitchell was better than LeBron James. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how it goes down. Not, obviously, I, I don't have anything against LaMarcus Aldridge either. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a third rant after the all-star game about how Rudy Gobert should have been in, but but I think there was space for him because you know he makes tons of dunks and like everybody dunks in the All Star game. That's like seventy five percent of the shots they make these days. Is you know you you throw it off the glass three times to a couple different players and then they throw a dunk down. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rudy Gobert could have been in there. You never know. Right. 
But so uh, obviously, yeah, the the good game in his first, or I guess second revenge game, uh, he's gonna get his third shot uh, against a player who wasn't selected to the All Star game, but has certainly been in the, the headlines around this, and that's Draymond Green. Oh yeah, Mr. Crotch Kicker. <laughs> Crotch Kicker, uh, whiner, and actual crier. We do know this. <laughs> he has actually cried uh, because of basketball. Yeah. Uh, that that needs to be emphasized, Mr. Draymond Green. Um. So they're gonna yeah they're gonna play him Tuesday, and I think Draymond his he's doubled down even two or three times maybe on this thing with Rudy Gobert saying you know we're crying and it's not for basketball or you know, why are you doing that and then I think another time he said that you know he's an intimidator so crying is gonna make him you know, appear weaker and people aren't going to be as intimidated, you know, as if the, you know, nine foot seven standing reach is going to be any less intimidating because the guy one time cried about his mom, you know, uh, you know, feel like Draymond's thinking's not Draymond's strong suit. Or possibly, you know, like doing his research and like looking at the actual video in which his mom was brought up and that's what brought him to tears. Does he cry about his mom? That's what I want to know. Like, if he, if someone were to talk about his mom and, like, the sacrifices she made for him to go across the world to go pursue a, a, something that he was passionate about and sacrificed all of that for him to do that, I would love to, I would love to see the comparison there. I hate Draymond Green. <laughs> yeah, he, he lacks uh, intelligence and capacity for humanity, apparently, uh, or at least self-reflection or a lot of different things, because... He's just objectively wrong in this case. I don't know if objective is the right word. At least in my mind, he's just completely wrong. Just, you don't make fun of a man because he's crying because he's remembering the sacrifices his mom made. Right. And that a bunch of idiots who weren't thinking denied him of something he felt he'd earned. So, you know. I bet you Draymond would cry if the referees robbed him of an NBA title, which I guess you could argue they did. Um, hmm. But, like, I don't know. It, it just seems really dumb. And I'm really looking forward and really hoping that Rudy Gobert just trashes Draymond Green and just, you know, wipes the floor with him and the Jazz get a win. Like, if the Jazz lost in the first round but they won this game, it might almost be worth it. Yeah. Just well, for this. Just you know, just to see Rudy Gobert put up thirty and thirty and ten blocks on Draymond Green. Well I think I could die happy. Yeah, well, I mean, anytime you beat Golden State is awesome, especially if you you know, if Draymond's gonna say crap like that. I mean in the in the two I guess this will be the third time we've played Golden State this year on Tuesday, um, Draymond has been almost non existent statistically or even while he's on the floor like he's just you know i think in most senses of the word we've had the best of golden state to be fair i mean we had that uh fluke tip in by um what's his face jonas derebko Dreb- in the and yeah. what was it second game of the year um otherwise the jazz would have won that game but i mean yeah i i would love to see um draymond green just get the ball's just kind of blocked back into his face. That'd be nice, too. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and uh, it does feel like that the regular season Jazz do seem to have something of the Warriors number. I don't know why it is. People say it's because the Warriors don't care, but the Warriors also celebrated like little kids winning the rec championship after Jarebko tipped in that shot. So mm. they obviously care. They obviously try, but I don't know. I think the Jazz won the season series last year against the Warriors. Yeah, they had like three 20-plus point victories against the Warriors last year. Yeah, yeah, we were 2-1 and one against them. The two and one or three? I thought it was three and one. Did we play him four times? I think so. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Um, now I might have to look that up. But yeah, last year the Jazz pretty much dominated the Warriors. Then, you know, well they never got to play him in the playoffs. But now I gotta look up the all-time series. Warriors versus Utah Jazz. It's a handy website that actually. You can go back years and see how well the teams have done against each other in each other in head-to-head matchups. Hmm. Um. What? Yeah, last year the Jazz won three times. They played them four. First meeting, the Warriors won by like 25 points. Then the Jazz won by 30. Then they won by 20. And then they won by like 40. <clears throat> oh yeah, I was at one of those games where we just destroyed them at home. That was just beautiful. Yeah, I think I watched one of them. Sure. Yeah. No. I like what you said, though. I mean, Golden State definitely cares because they've they're they are the active dynasty in the NBA. Of course, they want to protect that that man that uh, that title. They want to they you know they want to repeat every year they get on the floor. But unfortunately for Golden State, their team expects so much freaking money that it's going to fall apart at some point. Yeah, that is that is the hope is that just ego will tear these guys apart. And well. On Kevin Durant's part, Ego, I think, is going to send him out because he's come here, won championships, and realized he's still not happy. I feel like Kevin Durant's just getting more and more miserable by the day. Um, Because I think the main core of Steph, Clay, and Draymond will probably stay around. They they really love being around each other, and they, they seem like they could hang on, but Kevin Durant just seems like a miserable old woman who just hates everybody. Hates the media. I don't, I don't know if he hates his teammates or not, but, you know, doesn't understand why everybody doesn't like him. And so, because you know, everybody did like him in Oklahoma City, and now nobody likes him that he's on the Warriors, and he can't understand why. Yeah, well, I mean, there comes a point, like, yeah, that's weird, because Kevin Durant used to be just a quiet, soft-spoken guy in Oklahoma City, and he was a superstar then. He's still a superstar now, but he's become far more jaded. Yeah, I think he he has not taken to this villain role very well. Mm. Um, you know, Draymond and others they they play that villain role very well. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much they think they're villains, but they at least they don't let it bother them. LeBron James it never bothered him. It's never bothered some guys in other sports like Tom Brady and whatnot. But <laughs> shaking your head. I just, I mean, <laughs> you, you mentioned LeBron James. I mean, it doesn't matter what type of attention he gets. He loves every bit of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he, he's gotten that for well over a decade. Oh, yeah. It, it was like when he signed with the Heat. ESPN had its own tab on its front page dedicated to, if you wanted to go see the latest news on the Miami Heat, it was there. <laughs> And it was there for like five years or however long he was there. 
just if you if you want to see what the latest on LeBron James, it's right here. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, he is this generation's Michael Jordan. I do get it, but he has just completely and utterly changed the face of sports journalism. Yeah, well, you, and you see the same treatment on on college basketball players. I mean, this year Zion Williamson. Last year you you pull up an Oklahoma basketball game with Trey Young, and right there, right above the score, is Trey Young's stat line. Right. Just plastered there the entire game. Now, right now, he has 13 points on 4 of 11 shooting, and he has 3 assists and a steal or whatever. <laughs> the whole game. Surprised they haven't done that with Zion Williamson yet. Though I haven't watched enough Duke games to know. All right, so kind of the last uh, little talking point we're wrapping up. Um, the one thing I, I've just really noticed is the Jazz haven't exactly played a lot of basketball this last week. Um, and I think that they're just going to get a lot of rest over, you know, right now. I mean, they I think they had like four games or four days between, uh, oh, who was between like Phoenix and Portland, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then they're getting like two or three days between um, the Spurs and maybe it's two days between the Spurs and uh, the the Warriors because they're playing Tuesday and they played well the Spurs yesterday on Saturday so that's like yeah Sunday Sunday Monday two full days yep and then pretty soon they're going to get the All Star break you know if this team isn't 100% healthy after the All Star break then somebody needs to fire the trainers but I think they will be healthy. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was uh, Kyle Korver even last night in the post-game interview on the radio broadcast. You know, they asked him, you know, what what has these extra amount of days done for you guys? And he's, he's he was like, it's done a lot. We've been able to practice. We don't get many chances to practice and kind of work the kinks out um, throughout the season. And having these extra days off is going to help. And then... Yeah, the All-Star break. I mean, Joe Ingles is going to go on vacation somewhere sunny and be with his kids. He's going to be all rested up. He won't have to be running how he has been running. I mean, yeah, it's going to be nothing but good for us. I don't know. The Jazz are historically good post-All-Star break. Yeah, and I think that'll be a very similar case because the schedule, which is already lightened up, is going to stay pretty light for the remainder Plus, the getting healthy thing, getting Dante Exum back, I think that's been kind of a, an underrated part of the some of the struggles the Jazz have had, especially their bench units. You know, having Dante Exum back, which uh, I hate how much he's injured, and he's maybe he really is starting to get injury prone. Um, you know, despite we keep saying these are all freak accidents, but you can only have so many freak accidents before you say someone's injury prone. But you know, again, if he if he's staying healthy and developing, then the Jazz get a much better idea on whether whether or not they actually want to hang on to him, and whether or not they might actually want to use him as trade bait for maybe they want to trade for somebody who isn't necessarily a free agent, or maybe trade up in the draft, or hang on to him because maybe they like they'll they'll like him and they'll like what he was doing because he was doing very well right before he got injured. Yeah. So if he's playing well, you hang on to him. Don't just use him as trade bait like he's been for the last two or three years. And then, you know, if, if you're planning on, you know, letting 
Ricky Rubio go, then you can get a better idea of whether or not you want to do that. And if you plan on either letting Derek Favors go or trading him, you know, his trade value will increase. Or again, whether or not they want to hang on to him. There's there's a lot of things that can happen here in the second half, and, and I think it'll bring a lot of good for Jazz fans. This. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. With Dante, I mean, if he just becomes, if he's just injured more often than he's playing, I mean, that no one's going to take him. And the Jazz could try to keep him and hope that, you know, we have some miracle where he doesn't get hurt and then he, you know, he'll blossom into the player we always thought he was going to be. I want nothing but the best for Dante because he is really good for this team, both on, you know, the, the decisions he's making offensively plus what he brings to the table defensively. Um, I mean, if it weren't for Dante being out the past two Rocket uh, games, I I really think that we would have won those games because he is just a de- defensive force. I did want to point out, though, the fact that Royce O'Neal is playing way better. I mean, he went 4-for-4 four four last night from beyond the arc. He's putting in like not just the minutes, but he's far more productive, and he's confident more than I've seen him even last year, which is really good to see because... Getting a, getting a Royce O'Neal to kind of peak right now is so good. Yeah, and that is one of the reasons why the Jazz was so great last year is because they had Royce and Jay were... Those were two of the better bench players in the league that second half and were so huge in providing big minutes. And yeah, him, him playing great, it's like when Jay plays great. Yeah. The Jazz are just so much better. And uh, Quinn's really stuck with Royce while he's... You know, while Royce has really struggled early this year, yeah, where his impact just wasn't there, his stats didn't really change. It was just it felt like he was just playing horrible. Yeah, forcing the issue, making the wrong decisions, wrong cuts. You know, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, so that'll pretty much do it for us this week. Uh, we probably won't be doing an episode next week. Yeah, because it's the All Star break, right? Next week. Yeah. Yeah, so we probably won't be doing an episode. We'll only do something if something really big happens, which, honestly, the only big things that could happen are if somebody gets injured for the rest of the season, or that's pretty much it, because the trade deadline's over, so it's not like there's going to be any major uh, player acquisitions. And I don't think the Jazz are going to get into the buyout market, because that means they'd have to cut somebody, and they're probably not going to do that. So that'll do it for us this week. Uh, I'm Jason Walker, joined by Trey Sanders as always. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Don't watch the All-Star game.